1: Writing solo today, uh, Chris Novembrino is got some more work, so good for him. Also, doesn't want to watch the main roster. Also good for him. I have watched some, but I have not watched a lot, and I have an excuse, and I will go into that. In addition to that, I'll do a Money in the Bank preview, go over some of this news, and uh, I watched both the Tom McGee video and this WWE writer's recruitment video i kind of want to talk a bit about that gonna talk a little bit about the wade keller post raw show with uh jason solomon apparently some uh writers are talking out of school while at a bar nothing you haven't heard here before i've told talked about why i wouldn't want to work there from time to time i wouldn't mind the chance per se but uh there was some uh, there were some interesting tidbits on that. And uh so what should we start with, kids? I'm actually gonna start with that. The one thing that came out of uh came out of there that, you know, was intriguing is that uh Andrade is taking English classes because he walked into Vince McMahon's office and asked for a push and Vince basically said, Learn English and we'll talk. And that's why he's being forced to do these prelims in a language he is not quite familiar with. So something uh, I've been pushing for the last three or four years is that Vince has a box, and if you do not fit into that box, he has no idea what to do with you. And one of those is you have to be able to speak English. And it's unfortunate. Asuka is given promos in Japanese that get over exactly what she wants to convey. So has Nakamura but vince has this idea of what it takes to be successful and one of those is you speak the tongue of the homeland from which the show emanates i guess i'm i just think the guy's out of touch i think i think he's also stubborn in the fact that he won't do things to help cover up deficiencies i think he'll just you know say get through your deficiencies or you're just not worth it to me so that was uh interesting. Other other things that came up, I guess this was uh Jason Solomon doing the post show with Wade Keller over at the torch. Um, you know, writers aren't happy, they feel creatively stagnant, they think Vince is, you know, shaky in terms of you know and and, and uh unreliable, or at least he's erratic. Triple H is upset by some of the moves backstage, talent's not happy, you know, you hear all this and it's It's odd because it's not so much working at a job you hate. It's working at a job where you don't know, you know, you don't have the stability to be bold in your choices. I worked on a TV show that was basically filling out episodes for an order. But the, the creative minds, including the creators, had already left the show by then, um, moved on to other things. Every other writer was kind of looking for their next job and, and other things to that nature. Um, you know, nobody was happy, and you're just kind of doing it to do it, to get the experience. It's a lot what, what it feels like there, and watching this WWE recruitment video. Um, one one of the other things said on, on this interview is that the writers take to heart the, uh, the criticism and they hate when they trash on creative because um, it's not their fault. And I've said that week after week here. It is not the fault of the creative people they're bringing in. They probably have. And I've known some people who have done the tour of creative. I've n- known some people who have lasted a short time. I've known some people who have lasted a long time. There are plenty of people with great out-of-the-box ideas of thinking. The problem is Vince likes the box. They have a law and order problem at WWE right now. It's so funny to hear that the script was thrown out. But the the beats are mostly the same in terms of non-wrestling matches. And even in the wrestling matches, sometimes the beats are the same. If you get a dive, you know you're going to commercial. But you could take a script from three years ago. Cross out the names. Put the names of current talent in there. And it would be considered a new show. But doing the same stuff. You know, your interviews. Your, you know, someone comes out, stares at the briefcase, cuts the promo in front of the ladder. I'm When I climb this ladder, I'll have a chance to cash in at any time. You know, they're never talking about their opponents in the match. They're never talking about, you know, grudges they may have. They're just giving you exposition about what they're going to do if they're able to cash in money in the briefcase. And and we know how this goes. It's Someone's going to win. Someone probably cashes in that night, and the other person on Monday Night Raw comes in, champions giving an interview, guy with briefcase or girl with briefcase comes in, taps the briefcase. Hey, you know I can cash this in at any time. There, there's There's no originality to this. But I know that the people, the men and women that they hire, want to succeed. They want to give good ideas. They want to, you know, they they want to be able to change this business for the better. So I don't fault them because the tone of the writers' room comes from the showrunner. If you're gonna, and I've said this before as well, if you're gonna have a collaborative room, great, because that's gonna be set by the guy running the show. If you're if you're in there with a guy who thinks he's a genius or is very tight with the story so to speak, and I've put Vince in that kind of Vince, as if I know him, Vince McMahon in that kind of category, then you're beholden to his vision, and you have to feed his vision. And that can be stifling as a writer. Now, you watch this video that they came out with, this recruitment video, and uh, I will say I've talked to at least one person on this video uh, from time to time who has listened to Shake Them ropes. I, (laughs) they rely on 20-something writers who need them more than they need uh, the writers. Um, I, it's the only writer's room I've ever seen where people are wearing suits and ties and things like that. And you have to, look, being a writer is, look, it's, it's a fun job, but it's a job, as they say. And being in a writer's room is usually you hold up with, any number of people inside a room just bantering at a table trying to think of an idea for a show trying to upkeep a script and and with these writers they also have to produce vignettes you know they have to be kind of be de facto acting teachers you know produce the segment so you know it's it's you're locked up in a room wearing a shirt and tie and dress coats and you know all these other things and that's it's it's a power play it's it's a You remember when you were in high school and you went on a field trip and your teacher looked at you and goes, don't forget, you're representing the school on this trip. You're not, you know, Jeff Hawkins. You're you're representing our school. And so anything you do poorly will reflect on you. That's this company. You're wearing a uniform to work, but it's not a uniform. It's oh, we're a corporate entity and you need to act corporate. And trust me, most writers are sloths. (laughs) <laughs> every writer I mean they have papers all over the place they're just thinking basically you get a bunch you get about 12 to 15 people in a room some of which are producers some of which are writers some of which are just punch up guys some of which are just ideas guys and you say anything in there and anything goes in a real writer's room and they just bring lots of food to you and they feed your gullet, and you gain 15 pounds in two months like a like a college freshman and you bang out scripts all day, and that's what you do. And you get paid a lot of money for four or five months, and then you hope to get a job somewhere else. Or you hope that your show is picked up again. It It's, you know, it. but it is work. I mean, Saturday Night Live, look at, I mean, they kind of go on the Vince McMahon thing of, you know, time and pressure, South Park, the, uh, the documentary they used to have on Netflix, which was like Six Days to Air, kind of gives you this... You know, everybody's on edge and they're working and they're and they're and they're just throwing ideas out. And, man, I hope we can make the tape to get there by broadcast. And that, you know, some writers rooms feed on that. Some feed on the on the relationship between the writers in there. I just I I watch that video and I go, yeah, you're telling me all this stuff. I just don't know if most of you believe it. And I'm not saying they don't. I'm sure there are people who work in that writer's room who are living their dream. Um, And when you want a credit, when you want TV experience that you can put on your resume or any writer's experience you put on, you take, look, your first job is never going to be your dream job. You don't, I mean, unless you went to Harvard and you wrote for the Lampoon and you get the connections through there, You're going to probably have to slog through either a TV show, which you think is kind of hacky, or a job that you think is kind of... My first writing job in in Hollywood was writing for a syndicated international top 40 radio show and having to script the banter between the two hosts, and it was so lame. But I was also 22, and I wanted it so bad. And so you do, you eat it. You eat it, and you do it, and you go for the experience, and you move on from there. I didn't have to wear a shirt and tie or anything like that for this, so I mean, I understand all this i i I compared Vince McMahon to captain Quig from the uh from the Kane mutiny. He's still in charge, and he still has his facilities, but everybody thinks he's insane it's It's so mental working for that company and people ask would you still take the chance i go oh, you know i think about it sure they'll never do it i i I can i'm at the point in my life where i could take it or leave it if they fired me after three months because i, I can go back to law and do do my legal job you know if they wanted to take a chance on a <laughs> middle-aged out of touch because they want the youth the other reason they want the youth writers is is they think they're a pop culture company you know, relevant to water cooler talk and all that stuff, and and I I would strongly disagree with that assessment. All right. Lars Sullivan has been fined $100,000, and he will be going to uh, sensitivity training per the WWE. Uh, I have thoughts, and I have suspicions. I'm not sure this is real. I'm not saying it's not. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure they may be sending him to training. I think the fine for stuff you said before you got to the company, unless it, there was something about him disclosing it where he didn't, it sounds way too steep for a guy who hasn't been on the main roster and isn't making main roster money. I, I, I know, that that's that's what got my sniff test going here. This is why it smells. It feels like one of those 1980s angle where the NWA would fine Jim Cornette fifty thousand dollars for interfering in a championship match or something like that. I just don't know. Okay, I I can see that. I think it's one of those things where, given all these things in the media with the upfronts for Fox and stuff, they wanted to just say, "Hey, we took this seriously." They put up a number there that would be enough to make you know the for lack of a better term, the woke scolds, the people who were very, very upset about this, go away. For the people who were honestly concerned, he said, hey, he's going to go to sensitivity training. We'll see if that's true. And uh, and, and and they're going to wash their hands of this. Now, you know, I don't know if Lars still thinks these things. I don't know if he was just being a message board troll to be a message board troll. That happens. I'm a moderator at a message board. You have people saying all sorts of stupid things under pseudonyms. He got milkshake ducked, so to speak. Somebody went back, looked for these posts, posted them, started spreading all this stuff, which I find... I don't know. I, I'm not big. in I mean, Chris and I have talked about this before, you know, going back into people's Internet histories just to say, hey, look, you're a bad person. Bow to us. I, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with that from time to time. But I also will admit that you know, what he said was terrible stuff. And he was talking about some of his current coworkers at the t- right now. We probably never imagined would still be in the WWE if he ever got there. You reap what you sow. I, you know, I just, I have a slight problem with, you know, we're going to bring all this stuff up against him when it's really the people he works with who has to be able to trust him to catch him, to catch people to, with their bodies on the line. This is a, a lot of this to me is an issue between him and his coworkers, not him and us, the audience. If his coworkers come up to him and go, hey, you said these things, do you still believe this? And he goes, no. Or he says, yes, that's between those two. And it's between him and the company now as to what he believes and if he can work with people he may not like and all these other things. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit older. Maybe I've lived through territory days where the only question people would ask is, can he make us money? You know, Dick Murdoch was a terrible human being. There's a lot of terrible human beings in wrestling. I never had to work with them. It was never my job to do that. I could just say they were terrible people, but. You know, if a wrestler is uncomfortable in that kind of situation, I'd have no problem with him also saying I don't want to work with Lars Sullivan. I am open to everything on this. I am open to punishing him. I am opening him to forgiving him. I am open to his coworkers shunning him. I am open to the company firing him if they so chose. I just I it's it's one of those things where you read all these things, you go, Yeah, that's terrible. But I don't have a Strong opinion in terms of, you know, in terms of vengeance on this one. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And I open up that possibility as well. So the WWE is in Europe this week for their go-home show for Money in the Bank. That means they're going to be in Europe through Thursday. They're going to take a transatlantic flight back to the United States. Get in Friday morning or so. You have kind of Friday morning, Saturday morning. Get your body clock situated. Get your rest in. Sunday, pay-per-view where you need a lot of mental acuity and physical acuity to not get yourself hurt in a match involving tons of ladders. Whoever made this schedule should be fired. I'm going to say that. I I think whoever's idea it was to continue with this, it's another... Look, I know Vince only sleeps. Again, Vince cuz I know the guy. Vince McMahon only sleeps like 4 hours a day. And he, you know, he trains like a beast and he expects everybody to work as hard as him and every day is like your first day in the company and all this hairy high school crap. But these are professionals. These are people who need rest. Travel is tough on your body. I don't care if it, if they're taking a charter jet over there. Travel, intercontinental travel, is tough on your body. You need the proper rest after getting off of a plane. You need the proper decompression after getting off of a plane so that your blood flows regularly, okay? There's... They're going to run themselves ragged, and somebody's going to get hurt in this Money in the Bank match because they're tired, or because they haven't been able to physically rest up enough for it after taking bumps on a Thursday night for Hamburg or Sheffield, or whichever crew they're with. And Vince is going to say, oh, well, next man up. And you're going to probably be denied a talent or two for at least three to six months. Somebody always gets hurt in these Money in the Bank matches. If it's Luke Harper, if it's Dolph Ziggler, if it's Sin Cara, if it's Sheamus. It's usually somebody just coming back from an injury who gets stuck in this match to see how tough they are. I don't know who fits that bill. Oh, I think it's Mustafa Ali. So it'll probably be Mustafa Ali or Sami Zayn this time. Um, Yeah, so I I worry for the health of a lot of these performers on Sunday. That said, them going to Europe also means they're going to half-ass the shows. I hate to say this, but it's a truism since starting to host this show. Whenever WWE takes a tour of Europe, takes a tour of England, has their annual SmackDown and Raw over there in the UK, they give these UK fans a phoned in what I like to call a law-and-order effort. Law-and-order has been using the same kind of formula for weeks, months, and years. Just, you know, introduce thing, do this, do that, go home, waste time, long matches, usually, to fill time because they don't want to do anything, you know, edgy or anything like that. We're just going to give them long matches. They are the equivalent of a B-plus town in the United States, even though they have some frenzied, loyal fans who are desperate for a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble over there. And you get their half-best effort. Why do you still go to these shows? Why? I'll tell you why. The same reason they do half-ass shows, because they know you just want to see the stars and give your appreciation for them, because this may be the only time you get to see them live. I mean, this was a phoned-in Raw and a phoned-in SmackDown. And especially for the go-home show for Money in the Bank. You got your multiple-person matches, pitting people who are going to be fighting again on Sunday. Meh. Who do you want to see be a champion after all this? Who 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 have they built up in either of these two Money in the Bank ladder matches as a number one contender for a world title? Who is strong going into this? Everybody's beaten each other pretty much. And so, you know, the one thing of note was that Sami Zayn has now replaced Baron Corbin in the men's Money in the Bank match. Baron Corbin may be injured, or it may just be strategy on Vince McMahon's part. You know, Sami Zayn can go through a ladder, and if he gets hurt, we can take him off for six months. If Braun Strowman gets hurt, that ruins our plans. Which one's more expendable? not saying that's why they did it. Maybe they're looking for a more athletic feel to this match. Maybe, as I suspect, it's just a set piece for Braun Strowman to come down, put Sami Zayn through a couple ladders, destroy him, get the pop, and leave. But, that's what happens during these times. Now, there was plenty of good wrestling on here. I thought Dana Brooke doing the dive off the ladder was pretty darn good. I, you know, that that's something else from the Solomon interviews That Dana Brooks, the hardest worker in the company, gets there early, works in the ring, has been trying to improve just wants a chance. OK, great. Hard work is is something I love. But if you got a creative guy that just doesn't care about you anymore, you're you're happy from death of a salesman. Dad, look at me. I lost weight. You're trying to get attention for a father who loves the other kid. And it's it's it breaks your heart. Because Cesaro was in that same boat. And Cesaro was great. And what's his reward? Nothing. Yeah. We got to see Nikki, Nikki Cross. I like Nikki Cross a lot. I've said so on this show. WWE.com seems to be doing something in terms of evolution with her character, which I am all for. I know a lot of people are saying no, you're going to ruin the character and whatnot. I think she's had her run as in this in this sanity type of gimmick. Without sanity, I think she's lost. I think nut job, Nikki Cross, it's just not a character. They do well in the main roster. They don't know how to do crazy. Crazy to them was Dean Ambrose coming out with ketchup and mustard and squirting a person. woo isn't that wacky? They don't do menacing crazy well. They don't do chaos that well, even though half their characters say that. So, let her evolve a character. Let her get something else out of this. If she's going to be on Raw or SmackDown, if she's going to be on NXT UK, sure, go ahead, keep this Nikki character, because, you know, that's... (laughs) That's a property that the landlord doesn't visit that often. But... You know, it was nice that she got a win. They're giving wins to, to talent in their hometown now. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, I but Nikki Cross, Nikki Cross needed sanity, because it was always a cool spot when she'd come in and interfere for them in a ma- men's match, and that threat was always true when she was out there that a guy could interfere for her. They were a really cool unit. And they've just decided that, well, there's no more use for them. So the heck with them. Eric Young hasn't done anything, I don't think, since since getting moved. Which is a shame, because he's a multifaceted talent, be it comedy or serious. But if, look, it, the crazy gimmick is Alicia Fox's. And until Alicia Fox gets cut or retires or, you know, <laughs> covers the arena in pudding, and drowns, then then that gimmick is Alicia Fox's. So she needs something else. And she's too much of an in-ring talent and too much of a creative talent to ignore. So let Nikki Cross evolve. We got your contract signings. We had your talk show gimmicks. We had Shane McMahon beating an Uso in a multi-man tag match. Again, worst thing that ever happened to this company mcmahon's putting themselves over trained talent then it then you just had to suspend all disbelief it's 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 one of the more angering things about my fandom watching wwe and watching mcmahon's being on par with these superb athletes but we will go into your money in the bank preview daniel bryan and rowan will take on the usos for the tag team championship of smackdown Don't expect the Usos to win this, expect some chicanery, maybe even a revival appearance to help, uh, with, (laughs) God, could you imagine if this match stops because they rub Usi hot in somebody's, although that is an old school gimmick. I might like that. Let's hold off on, on saying, can you imagine that Hawkins? Because look, I'm thinking on the fly, don't have notes in front of me. Let's, let's just, you know, forgive me when I have a moment of, uh, clarity. Say the revival comes down, takes that oosie hot, puts in the guy's eyes, and we get an old school 1984 blinded gimmick. Whatever, it's better than nothing for the revival, and they can move on to the Uso's and Daniel Bryan and Rowan can be uh, your world protecting tag team champions. Will they get hemp belts though? That's the question. Tony Nese and Arya Davari. It'll be a match. It'll be on the pre-show. Tony Nese will be very crisp and very good. Aria Divari, I think, will do a little bit of this old-school heel shtick. I think Tony Nese will win clean for a half-empty arena. And we'll move on to the next match, or the next gimmick, or the next segment. And it just won't matter. Samoa Joe taking on Rey Mysterio for the singles match. <laughs> I'm reading from Wikipedia: Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship. It's time to pull the trigger on whatever angle they're going to do on Dominic. I expect Rey Mysterio to lose because Samoa Joe attacks Dominic at some point, or Dominic turns. You know, the same things we've been saying about the last three matches of theirs. It's time. It's time to do it. Miz versus Shane McMahon in a steel cage match? Uh, well, Shane McMahon's got in the upper hand all these other times. I think you're going to have a lot of interference here. I think somehow the Miz slips on a banana peel and wins. I just don't want to see I really don't want to see this feud continue. I I it's it's done. Let's move on to something else. Shane has his legion of cronies who he can get. You know, he, he can have them all fight Roman, which I think is the the choice here, but you know, I We'll see the Miz move on to something else, and instead of making fun of his father, although Shane might put the picture of his father up there to distract him, and then and then climb out over the cage while Miz looks all dumbfounded and whatnot. So, who knows? Roman Reigns takes on Elias squash match. It's not anything more than a squash. Uh, look, it's going to be more than a squash match, I know, but Elias will get some heat. But Roman Reigns will get a couple Superman punches, drive by, all the hits. We'll be reminded of his cancer so that we don't boo him. Which you shouldn't, I don't think, but he's already kind of worn out his welcome to some people. And gets a clean win. Okay, great. Kofi Kingston taking on Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. I don't know if Sami Zayn enters the picture here given what happened at the end of SmackDown, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Kofi's weird. He This is the first week in the go-home show where he's standing tall instead of being with the New Day, even though he still has the branding. I, I don't know if this Kofi Kingston experiment has worked. To them. I know a lot of people who, you know, the participation trophy types, very happy that a long-term veteran... God is just desserts. I'm fine with that thinking. I'm looking at business. And, you know, would you turn the crowd too much against you if you took the belt off of Kofi right now and gave it to Kevin Owens and had Kofi chase and ultimately fail? I don't know. Could you have a situation where Kevin Owens wins and Sami Zayn cashes in on him? That could be an intriguing concept. Although, going back to the Kevin Owens and Sami Zaynwell again, I'm not a fan of it. Don't do it. I think overall, Kofi Kingston wins this. Um, <laughs> there have been some rumors that Fox wants Goldberg to be the uh, SmackDown champion, going into going the into premiere, perhaps even beating Kofi Kingston an intriguing choice. I'm not sure it's the best choice. I know what you're saying. Goldberg can't go anymore. Goldberg can't do this. Goldberg can't do that. Goldberg is a bigger star than Kofi Kingston. I hate to tell people that. That's the reality of business. It's unfair. It's bad. It's probably killing your long term for your short term. But I, it's on the table, I think. I would not be surprised if Goldberg as champion going into the premiere and then someone of note beating him for the ratings is out there. I would not be surprised, and the internet crowds and the uh, and the commentary on Twitter will cry foul all day long, and it won't matter because casual audiences will go, "Hey, Goldberg's back." So I don't know, but I think Kofi Kingston wins here, and I think uh, there's a possibility he may lose it in Saudi Arabia that's the other thing they haven't done title changes so to speak in saudi arabia they may do one for fan service of of these people paying them all this money and getting these for truth's sake half-cocked shows with old guys lumbering around you know the the biggest royal rumble ever or greatest royal rumble ever did not uh, did not excite people in terms of a title. So they may get, you know, one of the secondary titles to switch hands in Saudi Arabia. I think that might be the time Kofi Kingston loses it. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. I've hated this feud. I liked the go-home promo by Seth on Raw, bringing in the uh, original match that they had in Iowa, which if you've watched the documentary on, uh, I forget if it's Seth's documentary or AJ Styles' documentary, but they bring it up and it was really... Seth Rollins is coming out. I think they should have wrapped that as a story for all three weeks of this feud. Instead of the contrived He Hit Me on Purpose or Didn't he thing. Uh Seth Rollins wins this. I, I don't see a way AJ Styles is going to be champion, Universal Champion this soon after Mania. This soon after getting the belt off of Brock. Um It's a shame, because I think AJ Styles. Needs to be taken more seriously as a main eventer. I think the SmackDown run, while he was the face that ran the place or the whatever that runs the show or whatever it was, I think being on SmackDown and the bad matches and the bad programs he had dampened him a bit. I I just do. Becky Lynch doing a twofer, taking on Charlotte Flair and taking on Lacey Evans in separate matches for both the for the Raw Women's Championship against Lacey Evans and the SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. I'm going to call my shot. I think Becky Lynch wins both these matches, but I think the winner of the Money in the Bank match cashes in that night. I don't think they want both running around with the briefcase, but I do not hold out I do not hold out the possibility that she is Becky Two Belts at the end of the night. And the on Monday or Tuesday, winner of the briefcase does the walks in taps briefcase. You know, I could cash this in at any time. And if you continue to to uh, to defend both belts, you're going to be tired and and ripe for the picking on one night. And that's when I'm going to strike that kind of thing. But I do think she beats both Lacey and Charlotte. So that brings us to the money in the bank ladder matches. Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, and Carmella for the women's. I am almost positive they are going to fake Bailey getting this and use it for heat for a heel. Bailey is going to be the workhorse of this match. I think Natty is going to take a lot of power moves onto ladders. Dana Brooke's probably going to do a dive again. Uh, Ember Moon will do the Eclipse off of a ladder at some point. It'll be awesome. But I'm going to say, I think Mandy Rose wins this title with help from Sonia Deville. And perhaps it starts the seeds of yet another breakup between Sonya and Mandy when Mandy wins the title and Sonya wants a title shot. So I'm going to go that they're finally going to pull this trigger on Mandy Rose as someone they want to invest in as a solo star. And it starts here. Sami Zayn taking on Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. I don't have a read on this. I really, really don't have a read on this at all. Because everybody's beaten everybody. You know, Drew McIntyre seems like the odds on favor because he's been the most low-key protected. Baron Corbin, you could give it to him for the heat and the redemption story. You give it to Sammy or Ricochet for the hey, I'm gonna do an athletic match with Seth Rollins or Kofi type of challenge. I could see that, um, but I am gonna go with Drew McIntyre, he seems the easiest choice with a 10% chance that Baron Corbin is given this stupid briefcase again. We have to deal with him, they like him. I, I, it's not that I don't know why, I know why there is something in Baron Corbin, and for all the crap other podcasts give him. You watch that breaking ground and you realize that they just market him like that, he's a star. But they can't because, again, you have the box. And there's a box and there's a guy he wants them to be and he doesn't get youth culture and he doesn't get what makes kids happy and he doesn't get, you know, all tough guys are through the prism of Vince McMahon being the alpha male so you have to take on one of his qualities. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. I, I originally thought maybe Randy Orton to get the belt off of Kofi. But I think Drew McIntyre, there's just an understatedness about it. About how they've been kind of protected him. So, and because he lost to Roman, they need to build him back up as a contender. I think he's the guy who needs the briefcase mess, So that's my pick, Drew McIntyre. Let me know what you think at Crap Game 13 Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm off base. Now. In addition to my copious amounts of watching, I've been watching a lot of Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams in world class, and I'm here to tell you, Chris Adams' super kick, better than Shawn Michaels, and I'll tell you why. Because the guy selling this, he does it at an angle, like an almost a 90-degree angle at the chin, and if you watch, the guys throw their feet out from underneath themselves and take a hell of a bump for those super kicks. Gino Hernandez, because of the uh, Viceland documentaries, Getting a little bit more publicity. Uh, if you look, these Viceland documentaries. If you already know the stories, you're not going to learn anything new. If you don't, they're good primers. Um, I would watch Heroes of World Class for guys telling harsh truths about the Von Erichs and Gino and Chris Adams. Uh, drugs did not make these people very nice. That's as much, I think they were phenomenal talents. I think people overstate. Gino's star trajectory a bit. Look, very handsome guy, could talk, cocky as hell. He'd already been in the business five or six years when he was in world class and he was on that hot streak with Adams. If he'd gone to Crockett or if he'd gone to WWF, WWF would have would have given him some racially insensitive gimmick of some kind and would have thought he was too small. If he goes to Crockett He probably continues his cocaine binging, and he ends up a bit like Buddy Landell, in my opinion. He was too self-destructive to succeed unless he got in with the right people, and I think the right people, unfortunately, also would have helped his drug habit a bit. I think he probably would have ended up with the Horseman at some point, and then maybe he and Tully turn heel on the Horseman, but that's, uh, that's just pure rank speculation. Also, in the historical context thing, the uh, they have found the Holy Grail of tape traders. Colt Cabana big on this. The Tom McGee versus Bret Hart match, where Tom McGee was set to get the rocket put on because of how athletic he was. I apologize for the music. My uh, my next door neighbors decided to start blasting reggae. Um. Look, it it's fine for historical purposes. If you are a fan of modern wrestling, you will look at this and go, What's the big deal? The guy can do a few flips and stuff. When you realize it's nineteen eighty six and that stuff wasn't exactly, you know, part and parcel for every talent out there You know, you uh you know, you realize that this guy had a lot of athletic ability, he just didn't have a lot of technical prowess. And there's matches with him against Tim Horner. There's matches with him against Ted DiBiase. I believe Arn Anderson also had a match with him when he was still with the company. And he just looks, uh, you know, million-dollar body, but just could not go. And, you know, it's a shame. And people rag on him about that. And they've been ragging on him about this. I'll be interested to hear what he says at StarCast if you're getting that podcast or going to watch that live stream or if you're going live. I hope he is at peace with never being the biggest wrestling star in the world. I do. Because to be part of that kind of urban legend, that can be mentally taxing. I mean, that's almost a Bill Buckner type thing, although you didn't do anything wrong. It's just the other guy became the guy you were supposed to be. And I'll leave it at that. I hope you enjoyed this. It's hard doing a solo podcast, but uh, I think I did all right for myself. You can hit me up at Crap Game13 and write the show itself at Shake Them Ropes. Chris Novembrino will be back for all things NXT, NXT UK, and 205 live, and probably some thoughts on Money in the Bank, and that will probably drop sometime on Friday. We'll see you then.
0: In a world of wonder. Podcast. There is a new shiny star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Kuhn, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.